November 24th, 2022. We're continuing in our Limud in Masechet Berachot. We're on Dafhet Amud Aleph in the wide lines. If you count down in the wide lines, it's 11 or so lines down. Just a few words before the end of the line. The Gemara begins by citing, it quotes a pasuk from Tehilim. Pasuk says, Alzot yitpalel kol hasid elecha le'et meso. And those last two words are what we're going to most focus on. But the statement is, about this, uh, all hasid, all those pi- of piety, uh, would or should pray to you, Borei Olam, le'et meso. Now, of course, the word masa means to find, and et means time. What does le'et meso mean? Rashi, already helping us in understanding the next few lines of the Gemara, says, yitpalel she'yehu mesuyin lo, the interpretation of this line, of this pasuk, then, in the eyes of the Hachamim, is for this all who are pious should pray to you, God, that this reality, this something, should be there for them when they need it. In other words, it's like me turning to you and saying, can you hold on to this for when I need it? Oh, what are we referring to? What is it that a person should pray to God for that it be there for them, this something, during times of need? What is it that every extra second or any wrong wrong situation will bring forth something detrimental to the person to the extent that, pray to God that it's prepared and ready for you? The Gemara will have several different suggestions. Amar bihanina, le'et meso, zo isha, says bihanina, it's a wife. It's the proper spouse for a person. You should pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that when the time comes, when it's appropriate for you, uh, the, uh, the appropriate person in your own life to enter in should be there. The difficulty that some people have, the trials and tribulations in finding their rightful uh, spouse, their wife, uh, could sometimes be overwhelming to the extent that it brings the person down emotionally and psychologically. Therefore, says Rabbi Hanina, and he's going to prove it from another pasuk, Le'et meso, every hasid should pray to Kadosh Baruch Hu that their wife be, uh, so to speak, an easy engagement for them, that they find that person in the most swiftest way. Zo isha emar, masa isha, masa tov. He cites pesuki, a pasuk from Mishle, which of course has that same shorish. Masa isha, masa tov. The mitziah, the search, the finding of a wife, is goodness itself. But again, le'et meso then is about praying to God that uh, the wife be, so to speak, prepared and easy to find. Bema'arava. Out in Eretz Yisrael, in the West, says the Gemara, Kinasiv inish iteta, when a person gets married to a wife, to a woman. In other words, we're about to quote what they say out in Eretz Yisrael when a person gets married. This is what the people, I guess, who are rejoicing or maybe just trying to bring a smile to his face, they would express to him, Masa o Mose, a young, young man or friend whatever, the brother, uh, the cousin, they would turn to him and say, oh, is this a situation of Masa or is this a situation of Mose? Uh, what does that mean? Well, of course, those are two words with the same shorish of finding. Uh, well, the Gemara will explain what they were with a smile on their face expressing in Eretz Yisrael at the time that someone found a wife. Masa, is this woman going to be for you? Masa with an Aleph again at the end. Masa isha masa tov vayyafek rason me Hashem. Is this woman going to be for you a person who's tob, who in turn will bring forth proper and goodwill from God? 
or alternatively, this person, as this woman in your life, going to be lo adenu Mose dichtiv, as the pasuk says in Kohelet, umose ani mar mimavet said Shalomo, I found more bitter than death et haisha vigomer the wife. The woman, which means to say that any marriage could and uh, and might be one of two uh, two potential endings. Either it'll be tob. Alternatively, it could be the opposite extreme. It could be marmimavit. So as you turned, and I imagine with a smile on their face, I don't think they were really, you know, questioning, is this the right one? I think with a smile on their face, they said, is this going to be your masa? Is this going to be your mose? And what they were expressing and what they were kind of joking about was a relationship, a connection between a man and a woman in marriage could bring forth the greatest tob. It can alternatively bring forth the absolute opposite, that Mar Mimavit, the Ra of the Isha. Rabbi Natan Omer. Rabbi Natan, unlike Rabbi Hanina, understands that Pasuk of Azot Yitpalel Kol Hasid Le'et Meso. Any pious person should turn to God and pray for Le'et Meso, that this entity, this being, this reality be prepared and ready for them when they need it. Le'et Meso, Zo Torah. That should be the ability for us to retain Torah. To in those moments where we just need it. What is it that I learned again? How is it that I understood that in the past? That situation, that's le'etme. So pray to God for the si'ata dishmaya. Pray to God for the help and aid of heaven that you be able to have Torah. But not only the retention of information, but the application of it, the understanding of it with regards to how it relates to you. That's what you want. Because you can study Torah, you can hear words of Torah, you can read words of Torah, you can any and every way be involved, but it's not really a part of you. That's le'etme. So shene'emar ki mosei masa hayim, the pasuk says in Mishle, those who found me, again, or those who find me, mosei, again, that's le'etme. So masa hayim found life itself. And Marsha points out the pesukim are referring to chokhmah in that context, Torah. Rav Nachman bar Yitzhak Amar, third approach, we had, what's le'etme so? Isha. Secondly, Rabbi Natan, Torah. Rav Nachman Bar Yitzhak Amar, Le'et Meso, Zo Mita. That's death. Death? That's right. Uh, the suggestion, as Rashi explains it over here, with regards to Mita, says Rashi, Sheyamut Bemita Yafa Venoha. It should be for a person, not a painful death, but one that's either swift or painless. It's one that's in the appropriate time. It's one that comes upon the person and everyone... And anyone wants to avoid those difficult pangs of death at the end, the suffering, the torture, the watching the world deteriorate uh, from within you. So Zomita. The, the second and third opinions are lifelong pursuits, whereas the first one is once you achieve it, you start praying, I'm assuming. I suppose so, although we can extend and expand the first one as well. The Isha, the Masa or Moses, uh, enduring relationship. You know, in other it words, turn it, into it. it could turn into it. I want it to be a wife who is appropriate for me throughout. I want this to be an enduring relationship. So mavet, death, this pasuk in Tehillim, is totsaot, is le'et meso. Says the Gemara, we're going to, for a moment or two, take a pause and reflect upon the pains of death, 
and the alternative of a swift and easy death. It's not something we like to focus on all that much. The musar and the certain tochehan rebuke we can take with regards to this is to appreciate life. Anytime we focus on death, which is difficult to do, which is uh, could be depressing, it could be overwhelming, it has to be, if needed, uh, an experience which in turn engenders within us a certain passion for life, a certain capability to stop and to think about my potential, my opportunities in life. If death is hovering in the distance and the not too distant, well, let me think about how I can change my life now. But the Gemara will, as a result, uh, pause and reflect upon different types of death. Tanya name hache, a beraita, tanya name also hache, that accords with this idea that there are painful and uh, difficult deaths, and alternatively, there are ones that are swift. Tesha me'ot ushloshim mine mita nivru'u ba'olam. There are 903 types of death. A person can die in one of 903 ways. Shene emar, how do you know? Says the Beraita, lamave tosa'ot. Did you do the gematria yet? Tosa'ot begematria hachehavu. If you were to count the numerical value of the letters in the word tosa'ot hachehavu, it's like this. In other words, it's 903. Gematria, the Mishnah, and, and, and the Mishnah describes gematriot as parparot lahochma. They are, so to speak, the dessert for chokhmah. Gematria, rare is it that you find gematria actually mentioned in the context of anything halachic. But you do find it in the context of parperet, the dessert for knowledge. I have a concept, I know death could come in a multitude of ways. I have a gematria that will kind of portray that for me. One of the famous gematriot at the end of Masechet Makot is that Torah is gematria 611. Torah Sivadanu Moshe, Moshe instructed us 611, two were, which means that how many mitzvot are there? 613. That's the source for that. What's the idea of, what's that word, gematria? Gematria is very reminiscent of a word that many of us are familiar with. My uh, child is in a class for it right now. It's called geometry. Gematria, according to some, is in fact taken from that, that I think it's a Latin word of geometry, because the idea is this is something in the realm of mathematics. There are others, I think, uh, Rabbi Yosef Karo in his, uh, his Kelalim to Talmud, he suggests that it's a compound word, which is oftentimes what happens in the eyes of the Hachamim. They take a word that was taken from outside and they give it internal meaning, and it's ge and tura. Tura means a mountain. Ge or gai is a uh, is a uh, a valley. We make a valley from the mountain of letters and words. We give a, a certain perspective. Okay. Anyway, that being the case, we have nine hundred and three types of death. Continues the Beraita Kasha Shebekulan. The most difficult with regards to a way of dying is askara. Askara is what the Gemara Yevamot says: the death of the students of Rabbi Akiva. It's one of, I think they call it asphyxiation. I think it's one in which a person either chokes or suffocates to death. The most seamless of deaths is nishika, so to speak, the kiss of death. A person goes to sleep and they don't wake up. That's nihashibikulan. So I have extremes. 903, the highest, and number one, the least, or, you know, flip it. Those are the two types. Says the, says the Beraita, let me go further. Says the Gemara, let me go further. Let me explain to you them. Askera, you want an analog? You want a way of comparing a parable, so to speak, for Askera? Damya, it's similar to Kehizra Bigivava de Amra. It's like a twig which is stuck in some sort of wool ball. 
you try to pull the twig out and all the pull gets all the wool gets pulled with it so to speak the death is being the life is being pulled out of this person's body it's the, it's almost as if their nishama is pulling their goof together with it it's it's painful it's tortuous it's difficult it's an experience nobody wants to go through like pulling that twig out trying to just get the twig but pulling the wool together with it i'll give you another analog for this who said it's like pulling a um a rope explains rashi through the little hole that it was inserted into rashi says in the docks out in the sea they would pu- push them through and that was a very small hole and you would be have a way of pushing the rope through so that it was caught in there and it was taut it was very tightly fastened to it and so says rashi when you want to pull that rope out it's going to be very difficult to get it through was so difficult you push it all the way through that's what it feels like a person who experiences askara as their nefesh as their nishama is departing their body nishika or in contrast, as opposed to mitat neshika, that kiss of death, what's the experience over there? Damya, it's similar to kimishal binita mehelba. It's like pulling forth a hair which is in milk. It's smooth, it's swift, it's seamless and easy. We have our Next opinion, we had several opinions with regards to le'et meso, is it nisha, is it Torah, is it mavit? Fourth interpretation, bi'ohanan le'et meso, zo kevura. What does it mean, zo kevura? It's the ability to know that you will have uh, burial in the appropriate way, in a way which is respectful, um, you know, in a, in a bet kevarot of Yisrael, it's in a place which is uh, surrounded by Am Yisrael, you won't just be uh, uh, discarded of on the side of the road or something of that sort. What sort of pasuk can we point to to support this notion of that you should pray, so to speak, to Akadosh Baruch Hu, that you have when it's out of your control. Keep in mind, each of these we're envisioning as out of your control. The proper woman, the Torah retention, the mitah, of course, you have an involvement in all of it, but ultimately speaking, there's a certain sense, really in everything we do, but we feel it most in these sorts of contexts, of vulnerability. It's out of my hand. That finding, the elated nature of finding the kever, of finding the burial plot. Of course, the masa, le'et meso, and yimsu kaver. Says Rabbi Rav Shila, uh, reacting to that statement of Rabbi Yohanan and maybe to the pasuk of Rabbi Hanina, Hainu damre inche. This is similar to what people say. There's an uh, expression. What do people say? A person should be um, uh, turning to God and requesting rahame, mercy, meaning praying. Afilu even up until ad zibula batraita shelama, until the last kernel of dirt is uh, placed upon them. Meaning even until they're completely covered over in the ground. You think that you finished your life in this world. There's no longer a necessity of prayer. It's out of your hand. What's going to happen? Even after death, you want you want to pray for the state of being even after death that you're buried in the appropriate way. Morzutra Amar, our fifth approach to what this le'et meso is. Le'et meso, 
זה בית הכיסא. That's having a bathroom nearby when necessary. Rashi explains out in Bavil, the ground was very moist to the extent there was water that was sometimes rushing through or under it. It was, it was hard to find a place where you could dig up, so to speak, an outside house where you could relieve yourself and bury it or send it, send it under the ground. The ground was just not uh, appropriate for that. So it was harder to come by in a bet kiseh And, of course, that could bring forth all sorts of bodily um, dysfunctions. A person who holds in their the time when they need to use the bathroom could bring forth health uh, issues. And that's the vision of the Hachamim, Amre Bema'arava. Out in Eretz Yisrael in the West, they used to say, Hademor Zutra, that last opinion of Mor Zutra. Keep in mind, we had all sorts of... Flowery interpretations, Le'et Mitzvah is the Isha, Le'et Mitzvah is Torah, maybe the next two are not so flowery, but we understand them a little bit more flowery than relieving yourself in the bathroom. They said about this, though, Ha'demorzutra, that statement, Demorzutra, Adifa Mikulehu. It's more uh, commendable than the other ones. We should turn to it. It's adif. It's uh, preferred to the others. Le'et meso. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They would say in Eretzi. So we understand that. Says the Gemara. Amar le... Okay, we'll pause with that for now before we continue in the Gemara. So let's just reflect for a moment upon what the Gemara just did. The Gemara had five separate interpretations to what le'et meso is. Is this ranking with regards to what's most important? Not per se, but it is describing situations where retention of Torah, finding the proper wife, and living with her, perhaps we extended at the type of death, the burial place, having a bathroom nearby. They're all necessary and important, sometimes overlooked. I just need a wife. Doesn't need to be the appropriate wife. No. Uh, maybe I just need to learn the Torah. I forgot about whether I'm going to know it or apply it, and so forth. Each of these are being mindful of this. Le'et meso. A hasid should be praying to God that they be there and be appropriately <coughs> in, in their life at the proper time. Amar le. Ravalera from Bar Papa says the Gemara moving back into our conversations about Bet Knesset about Tefillah. Rava said to Rafram Bar Papa, Lemalan more. Can our master, says Ravatara from Bar Papa, meaning he's speaking to him in third person, could you tell us Mehane Mile Me'alieta? from those many mile words, me'alieta, elevated, those many beautiful words that you had, the amarta, that you've said in the past, mishime de rav hasta, in the name of rav hasta, rava says, you know, Rafram, my master, our master, you've said to us in the past such beautiful things in the name of Rav Hasta, in matters pertaining to Bet Knesset, to synagogue. Amarle Rafram responds to Rava and tells him, sure, here's one. This is what Rav Hasta taught us. What's the deeper meaning of the Pasuk and Tehillim? Ohev Adonai Sha'are Siyon Mikol Mishkenot Yaakob. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves Sha'are Siyon more than any Mishkenot Yaakob, any dwelling places of Yaakob. What are these referring to? What's Sha'are Siyon and what's Mishkenot Yaakob? Of course, Sha'are Siyon is a synagogue in our community. Do we have one called Mishkan Yaakob? I think not yet. It would be difficult to do one because then everyone would just want to go to Sha'are Siyon. But the statement in the Pasuk then is, uh, needs some clarity. What's the uh, God loves this more than that? Ohev Hashem Sha'arim 
Hamesuyanim bahalacha, the reference to in Sha'aresion is referring to the gates, the places which are misuyan, which are constant with regards to halacha and study and engagement in it. More than study halls where there's not consistent and constant prayer, excuse me, Torah, and of course synagogues which don't have that Torah but are rather just tefillah. I'm explaining the Gemara based on Rabbeinu Yonah, whose commentary is found in the back. In other words, you're describing Sha'arim Amesuyanim Bahalacha as a place where you study Halacha. How's that different than Bate Midrashot? We said Sha'aresion is the Bate Midrashot. God loves it more than Mishkenot Yaakov, which is Bate Midrashot. What's the difference? Says Rabbeinu Yonah. One is a place where there's constant study of Halacha, of Torah, and the other is there's uh, some. And the other is there's Tefillah. That's what the, the reference is here over here. This is similar to the statement of in the name of Ula, from the day of the destruction of the Mikdash. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is left only, so to speak, in terms of his absolute manifested self. Where do you find God most? Within the four cubits, the six feet of Halacha. What does that mean, the four amot of halakha? The Gemara in many places, halakha has a concept of the domain, the place of a person being four amot. On Shabbat, in Rashut Rabim, you can't carry more than four amot. Why not? Because that's your space. Within four amot, it's your space. If I throw an object to you and I expect you to make a kinyan, to purchase and acquire it, as long as it's within four amot, it's yours. Why so? You're not holding on to it because that's your domain. That's your place. The idea over here of arba amot shel halacha as well is a reference to a person within their domain making Torah theirs. HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this pasuk and the understanding of the rabbis is telling us when you achieve, when you've, when you've found, and carved out that place of Torah, well, that's the greatest it can get. That is, uh, from the day of the destruction of the Mikdash, that's where you'll find Kivyachol, the greatest uh, presence and feeling and connectedness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And listen, there's a, uh, there's a certain difficulty in understanding this because the Mikdash is not necessarily a place of Torah. The Mikdash we usually imagine as a place of Avodah. How do you equate the two? How do you say that the replacement for the Mikdash is Halakha? That's hard to understand. Some would suggest, some do suggest, that when we talk about the structure of the Mikdash, we refer to the Lishkat Gazit. Keep in mind, in the Mikdash, that's where the Sanhedrin was. So from the day of the destruction of the Mikdash, where you found God in the Lishkat Gazit, where they were establishing Halakha, the reapplication, the new building of, of, of Lishkat Gazit is every person's and uh, communities uh, engagement in Arba Mochel Halacha. Alternatively, if you recall, in the last class we referred to Harambam's words in Sefer HaMitzvot, in Mitzvah He, in the fifth of his Sefer HaMitzvot, he talks about the Mitzvah of Avodah. Avodah, Harambam described as not only Tefillah, not only Korbanot, but also Torah, which means a way of achieving a connectedness or worship of God is not only through sacrifice or petition in prayer, but it's also through reading and appreciating and experiencing his words of Torah, which means, say, yeah, the replacement of the Mikdash, so to speak, is a different mode of Avodah, and that's the mode of Torah. Uh, that's the description as I understand it here in our Gemara, that Miyom Shaharav Beit HaMikdash 
אין לו להקדוש ברוך הוא בעולמו אלא ארבע מאות של הלכה בלבד. It's furthermore a certain consolation for we lost the מקדש. We can't find you God any longer. No, wait a second. Well, wait a second. I used to only find you, not really, but I used to think I could only find you במקום in the מקדש. Today I can find you anywhere where it's the פורה מות של הלכה. So there's a certain consolation as well. You may have lost me in my abode, in the majesty of my palace and home, but now I can and will visit you and be involved anywhere else. Says the Gemara ve'amar Abaye, in line with this, Abaye remarked, Meresh, originally, havagarisna begobeta, I used to study Torah, I used to be gores, learn Torah, in my home, inside my home. Umaslena, and I would pray, bevekenishta, in the synagogue. I would go to pray in the knees, but I'd be studying in my home. Once I heard that statement of Rabbi Hiya, in, uh, the son of, uh, of Amen, the name of Ula, what was that statement? Once I understood, once I heard and really uh, let that set in, I realized I should only pray in the place where I study because the greatest apprehension and connectedness to God will be in the place where I'm studying. So let me pray there as well. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that I should avoid a minyan if I can pray in the same place where I study? That's hard to understand. The Gemara will develop this a bit further, leaving that type of uh, uh, that type of thought open. Again, the statement is the ideal place of prayer is the place of study. So if I have a synagogue, synagogue. next door, that's right. If I have a synagogue, which is miyuhad for tefillah, next door to a yeshiva, which is, or a midrash, which is miyuhad for Torah, and they're equivalent in size and minyan, so of course I prefer the yeshiva where there's the Torah. If I have a synagogue where they study much Torah, as opposed to another one, I should prefer the one where they study much Torah, all things being equal. Uh, but what if, uh, we're really talking about his home, where there is no minyan, what if the minyan is smaller in one as opposed to in the other? These are interesting questions that have to be addressed. Rabbi Ameh, before we do so, let's just see one more line here in the Gemara. Rabbi Ameh verbi Aseh, Afalgav dehavu lehu telesar bekenishta b'teveria. Even though there were 13 synagogues in Teveria, you know, I'm sure Bizban HaGemara, that was a huge number. They said 13 synagogues in Tiberia. Today we have 13 synagogues in a uh, two-block radius uh, in Brooklyn. La Maslu, but they nonetheless would not pray. Ela Bene Amude, they would make certain. It was in between the pillars, meaning in the Bet Midrash. Hecha Dehavu Garse, where they were studying Torah. That's a significant line as well. It means they would not go to the synagogues, but rather be praying in the Midrash. Rabbeinu Yonah in the back you know, of the Gemara. Someone who doesn't go to the synagogue? We did, but maybe this Gemara is telling us if you have a rightful reason not to be going there, so then you're not a Shachinra. In other words, you're, you're going somewhere else, which is more appropriate. Rabbeinu Yonah in the back of the Gemara quotes from Chachmea Sarfatim. He quotes from the French rabbis. He says the Chachmea Sarfatim said the Hidush in our Gemara is to the extent that even if you don't have a minyan where you're studying Torah, it's preferable in that place, if that's really your makom kavua for Torah, to be praying as opposed to a place where there's a minyan. Harambam, however, in Perek Chet of Hilchot Tefillah, 
does not accept this. Harambam's understanding of our Gemara is that they're both referring to a place of Minyan. So the statement then is a lot less novel. The statement is, it's better to pray in a place where there's Torah and Tefillah as opposed to a place where there's just Tefillah. Even if it's not um, a synagogue. Even if it's, well... Um, the question then is, hold that thought, the question then is, so what's the Hidush in the Gemara? Okay, one is greater, because that's where you're studying Torah. So the suggestion of some of the Mefarshim on Harambam, even Rabbeinu Yonah writes this in the back, is even if one has less of a minyan, so one has a minyan of 10 bimitzumtzam, it's only 10, the other one's got a thousand. Maybe you should go bit of Am Hadrat Melech, maybe my Kavanah will be enhanced in that place. The idea of Harambam is the 10 is significant in and of itself, if that's the makom of Torah. There are calculations and and uh, distinctions that are that are very much um, uh, developed by the poskim with regards to understanding this halacha. Because keep in mind that means that I need to determine everything it appears based on the Torah. But maybe my kavana is better. Maybe it's people I'm more uh, appropriately engaged with and I can feel comfortable in their context praying. So there are all these sorts of things that are developed and discussed by the poskim in the commentaries to Shohan Aruch and elsewhere. But however, the final line with regards to the significance of this Gemara is the most simple line. And that is that we oftentimes assume that I have two separate things going on in my Avodah Tashim. I have my appreciation of God through prayer. That's why I speak to him. And then I have Torah, that's where I kind of understand him. Instead of realizing that these should be combined, the intellectual side and the emotional side, it's the Pasuk in the Torah where HaKadosh Baruch Hu turns to Moshe and says to him, go tell Am Yisrael and tell uh, Paro that they're going to worship God Al What's that mountain? That's the mountain of Har Sinai. The mountain of Har Sinai is Avodah. You should say, this is where we're going to receive the Torah. This is where we're going to study Torah. Statement is this is where we're going to do avodah. Avodah is all in caps in, incorporating, which means to say when I'm in a relationship with another person, and by extension, a relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, I don't just engage in conversation with my wife to learn more about her. I don't just engage in conversation in order to feel good. I engage in conversation for any and all of those and everything else. To truly be involved in a relationship and in turn to worship HaKadosh Baruch Hu means to not only appreciate my conversation by means of prayer, but to appreciate the engagement and conversation by means of Torah as well. It's for that reason people do rightfully experience as they study Torah a conversation with Borei Olam. If you think that you're just studying the words of Abayen Rava without hearing Borei Olam's words and messages coursing through them, then you're missing the vision and understanding of this Gemara and so many others. If you don't become a better person through studying Torah and it's only through Tefillah, then you're missing the not appreciating the words of this Gemara as well. Torah is supposed to be for us a modes and means to not only knowing more, but to engaging more, to becoming a refined person, to understanding and connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on levels that tefillah in and of itself could not and would not have done. It's for that reason that our Gemara combines and conjoins Torah with tefillah. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.